Thank you for tuning in to the Natty News Daily Podcast. This episode is brought to you in part by our sponsor, Core Nutritionals. You can check out corenutritionals.com for all your supplement needs and use code NattyNewsDaily at checkout to save 20%. Enjoy the episode. All right, guys, welcome back to the latest episode of the Natty News Daily Podcast. Dan and I are twinning today and we are solo today. No guest, no Leroy. We booted him. Um, actually America. had some weird, weird saying about like a dog and I don't know, you'll have to DM him, ask him about this dog. It might not because... be appropriate for this. Yeah, I wasn't I can't sure re- if it was a Canadian phrase or if it was like a, I don't know if he uh, said the phrase the right or, like or a Leroy thing. I don't know, but yeah. DM Leroy asking what he does with his dog and, uh, <laughs> yeah, we'll leave it at that. <laughs> anyway, welcome back to the podcast, everybody. Um, we are going to discuss today a little bit of our own training methodologies, but more so than what we're doing now compared to what we've been doing in the past, because I think it's really good. You know, I wouldn't put myself as like an overly experienced bodybuilder, certainly not in like the competitive realms, but I've been lifting for a long period of time. And it's always good to kind of reflect back on myself. And I feel like other people can learn from just how we've changed as the literature has changed, how our understanding of things has changed, and even how our lives have changed, right? Because myself now, I know very specifically compared to even a year ago, very much compared to 2017 when I was a grad student my life has changed a lot, right? So my training's had to change a lot to adapt with that as well. So I'm going to kick it over to you, Dan. I think yours is probably going to be a little bit more straightforward. You've had a little bit more of a consistent kind of trajectory. Um, let's let's just dive right into this. Yeah, I mean, from my, from my perspective, I mean, it's more so like, how can I, not necessarily like adjusting my schedule. Um, I mean, obviously once in a while I'll have to do that, but I really don't like doing that. Um, um, it's more, which mostly is just like, I have to train in the evening cause I'm traveling for work or whatever, which I still don't like doing, but mm-hmm. I, I still yeah do it. But, um, from my perspective, I mean, it's mostly been like the changes that have been made have been like just refinements in, in methodology, um, different exercise selections, kind of, uh, you know, biasing certain things over others. Um, uh, you know, different using different uh, uh, mesocycle lengths. I, you know, I can, I, which I guess I can get into the weeds of. So, like, yeah, let's, um, let's look big picture before we dive yeah. into the nitty gritty. How does your programming, like, is it the same split as what it used to be? Is it the same length? Are you using deloads where you didn't? Like, big picture stuff, where are we at? It's, uh, it's very similar. Like, in terms of like the way that I have it spread throughout the week is very similar. To what it was probably even like back dating back to like 2018 uh, i basically run a a heavily modified uh push legs pull off push legs pull split in, in a seven day in a seven day week um that's the base of the model but there's certain things i train um more than twice a week like i train side delts usually three times a week rear delts usually three times a week um, I do biceps on my push days, uh, and a little bit on my first pull day. So it's, it's, it, it's got that base, but like, there's a lot of like, you know, nuances to what I'm training on a specific day. Um, mm-hmm. is that, that just that, to increase frequency to certain body parts? Or are you doing that for fatigue management? Why are you moving things around like that? Like, why am I, um, why, 
what part of it? Like the why do I? So have we'll, things, we'll say like side delts, side delts and biceps. You're right. Those were on like a non kind of standard for the push pull legs. Yeah, um, I I've found that well side delts I can. I can tend, they tend to recover relatively quickly, except with certain movement variations, which um, like behind the back laterals. And then actually, if I do like a high, uh, like a high um, uh, rear delt fly, you actually get a good bit of side delt in there that actually fries them pretty good. Uh, but other than that, my, they, they just seem to be able to tolerate three times a week uh, versus like my quads. It's like, mm, yeah, like I, I, I don't even need that much volume and it's, it's plenty. So, um, yeah, it's just more so that. And I like training my biceps on my push days. I find my biceps are fresh that day. I do it actually at the end of my session, I, which um, I know is like, well, you should, you know, like maybe like, you know, the thought is like, oh, you're fatigued at the end. But like, I like my biceps are fresh, basically fresh. Right. I do, a few, I guess I do a few face pulls, but in general, they're fresh and they, they're good to go. So mm-hmm. um, I find that I can train them and then two days later I pull. So I don't want to get them too sore, but um, I find they can recover in a couple of days typically. So um, with limited volume, actually, I don't really train that high volume in individual session, but uh, mm-hmm. just find I can, I can get that into three days. That's all. But um, yeah. yeah, certain stuff that you know, it's like quads and stuff. It's like, yeah, I'm not going to try. I've done it in the past, but yeah, it's just not. It'll beat you up. It'll just beat you up. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, I think quads, hamstrings, like the, just the, the soreness just, it just doesn't recover <laughs> in a, in a mm-hmm. time frame that, you know, is permissive too. But yeah. Unless you were to do some like pretty off the cuff type training for your quads, right? Like I'm thinking like BFR leg extensions, especially like a single leg where the load's super light. Maybe you could add that in as like a third frequency if you're doing an upper lower and then like tack on them somewhere. But yeah, they can take a lot of damage. So yeah. Yeah, and that's actually a a consideration I have whenever I am am plugging movements. Like I, I think about like my leg sessions. So like obviously my with a seven day week, one, one of those days, I'm going to have one less day to recover. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. so like I do my, I I train legs on Tuesdays and Saturdays. I do my hip thrusts on the Saturday because like Mm -hmm. my glutes are not going to take much damage from that. They just don't like versus my Tuesday session. I have either like a single leg press or a split squat which is going to thrash my glutes. So I have an extra day. So that's, that's something actually I, I uh, consider when, when programming in general. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And that's huge, right? Because people talk about recovery, but all recovery is not the same, right? They ask like, Oh, like, do you think my biceps can recover if I train, you know, two upper days back to back? Well, it depends. It depends on like, what, what's your movement selection, right? Like how much volume on those days? Because I program sometimes I'll tell people like, if we're doing an upper lower four days, which is typically what I program the most for just my gen pop clients, if I throw in three sets of cable lateral or dumbbell lateral at the end of your leg day, and then you hit your upper day the next day, you're going to be okay, right? Like three sets is not going to kill you of something that's a small muscle. But if we said we're going to do three sets of deadlift at a three to five rep range, and then you got to go hit lower the next day. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's not the same, right? So it, it definitely depends on on what you're choosing, how you're programming those things, a lot of different factors for sure. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of factors. So yeah, there's a lot of things to consider with that. It's not just it's not just like how many sets too. It's like what movements mm-hmm. are you using with those sets. Um, right. But yeah, you mentioned um, or you asked about like uh, mesocycle length. Um, mm-hmm. I'm actually running much longer mesocycles than I used to. I historically had run like, like a, a four week, four week, then deload, um, sequence, but which I think is like kind of popular in like the evidence-based paradigm or in evidence-based sphere is like four weeks deload or five weeks deload. Um, or at least it was maybe, maybe. I feel like more so you're seeing like six now is what people are saying. And I don't know if they're saying like five, five and deload is the sixth or they're running six and the seventh is the deload. Yeah. 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 But I'm, I'm up to the point where like I'm running uh, mesocycles that are like seven weeks long, so seven weeks and then deload. Um, mm-hmm. Spending a little bit more time at like the zero to, to two RAR versus like previously mm-hmm. I was like spending, you know, kind of equal amounts of time from like four to, to zero or four to zero to one um, mm-hmm. versus now I'm, 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 like my first week is like actually my first week now first week I spent it three then I go straight to two and then I go one to two and then I go one and then I go zero to one and then I go zero so like you know spending more biasing that time towards like zero to two I'd say RIR rather than like um you know further away so um now with with less aggressive volume jumps too from week to week so that's also worth noting Right. Absolutely. You're not tacking like four sets of quads on every single week. It's maybe, maybe one. Now, do you, do you have a normal, like a linear progression of volume or do you kind of taper it and change it kind of auto-regulated stuff? I sort of auto-regulate it. Like I start the first week very conservatively, like, um, like I don't, I'm trying to think, I think all of my movements are one or two sets in my, in Mm -hmm. my first week. Like, I mean, I do use like different you know variations like i'm not choosing one bicep curl like i use two but like in like my yesterday session like i i had i had two curl variations um one a an easy bar curl and then one a like a lengthened uh bicep ca- like cable hammer curl um yep. i did one set of each that's it start with yep. one so i start start the mesocycle off like really really conservative like i just don't want to um overshoot what I can recover from, um, and then build up from there. So, yeah, like I'm so if, using, if you're yeah. doing a, a like a two day f- or a two times frequency for the biceps, you're thinking like four sets to start off the mesocycle is really probably what you're doing. Yeah, well, I it, I have it three times a week, so it's it's okay. a little bit more, but but yeah, essentially, yeah, yeah. but that yeah. that principle, like like, but I apply this similar to like legs to like today I did mm-hmm. two sets of leg press one set of squat and then one set of a length and leg extension. So like two of those movements, literally just one set, um, which probably is a little bit of an undershoot, but I'd rather be a little conservative on the front end, especially when introducing new movements. Um, but that's, a, that's kind of way, it, but I can always build it up from there. So it's like, I know yeah, I can, yeah. and I kind of have an idea of, you know, what I can recover from at this point in time. Um, yeah. And, and that's a good point for, 
lifters that are starting to think about using like volume as a, a progression scheme, right? Instead of just load or intensity, because you can't start at 15 sets if you yeah. intend to you do a six to eight week mesocycle, because otherwise you're going to be doing those like 40 set programs and you're just, that's going to just destroy you if it's adequate yeah. intensity for those, that volume. Yeah. And I think it feeds into like, like I'm running more extended mesocycles because I'm just not trying to just, you know, burn out like super early, super quickly and just add set, add tons of sets. Like let's, let's run this, let's run this for seven weeks rather than needing a deload every, every fifth week or something like that. Like that's kind of where I got to that, where I'm like questioning, like, why am I deloading every fifth week? Like, would I be better off if I just had more accumulation weeks and just had more weeks of training? Like yeah. why, you know, why am I spending 20% of my time deloading yeah. when I yeah. can I think, do... I think people need to view it like they view their nutrition, right? Like I think most people are in a consensus now, if you're really trying to grow and optimize your hypertrophy, you want to spend as much amount of time in a surplus as possible, which means that surplus yeah. probably has to be a, a smaller surplus, right? Reduce the rate of gain to make it a longer period of time. So we're not constantly, I'm bulking for six weeks, I'm cutting for four. I'm bulking for six. I'm cutting for two. Right. Cause then you're just, you're spinning your wheels. Same thing with training, right? Like if you have to deload every fourth week, you might want to think into like, why, like, am I overdoing it? Because now, like you said, like you're wasting so much time deloading and it's not only the deload week. If you're altering your movement selection too, you probably have like a relearning week as well, right? Your loads aren't perfect the first week coming out of the deload, kind of got to taper and figure out exactly what's going to work. And so then there's two weeks out of the mesocycle that are pretty well, not wasted, but less optimal, right? Yeah. So that's actually something that's, it's unique for me is like, I don't, I tend to not detrain, actually don't detrain in terms of fitness very easily. So like my first week, I usually, usually feel pretty much ready to go. Like my mm-hmm. movements feel feel as they should. Um, granted, I'm usually using most of those movements during my deload, but like um, the back half of my deload is basically just like get blood moving. That's it. Like nothing mm-hmm. heavy, even remotely heavy. And re- mm-hmm. so, but I don't. I personally don't don't really detrain that easily. But I know other people are the opposite. Um, I know that some people are, are very sensitive that, you know, once they deload, then like that first week is like getting their wheels back under them. So, mm-hmm. um, I think yeah. maybe I'm unique in that regard. I'm sure there's other people like me, but I tend to not, unless it's like super complex, yeah, but yeah. like a I squat think pattern it's probably a more, bit, but yeah. Yeah. It's probably more valid if you're switching your exercise selection around a bunch, yeah. right? Like if you're going from like a high incline barbell press to a flat dumbbell press, for your pressing, your main like compound pressing movement, you know, it's going to take you a week to figure out, you know, am I still as strong as I was the last time I did the dumbbells? Am I stronger? You know, did I overshoot? Did I undershoot that kind of stuff? Yeah. And it, for me, it can be a little bit of a feel thing, like with, with that, um, especially the more complex movements. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, actually it's probably more so if I, if I do rotate in a new movement, it's a little bit of a learning, like where, like how, how far can I take this? sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And one point I wanted to come back to as well, because we're on the topic of like volume progression. You said you start out relatively low, you're adding sets. Is there a point in your programming where you say, I'm not going to add more sets to this movement? Do you find that there's a sweet spot where just you kind of like burn out on a certain movement? Um, 
No, I, I don't. I kind of, uh, I mean, I, I tend to cap myself at most movements. I don't run over three sets. I don't do yeah. more than three sets. Most. There are exceptions. There are certain movements. I'll take it up to four, like mostly like wrist extensions, things like that. Um, but a majority of stuff I'm running it up to, up to three, a lot of them just, you know, two or like two and, uh, and, uh, a, uh, a rest pause afterwards. Like, yeah. um, yeah, I'm like, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not, I guess I am kind of sort of low key capping it and I kind of know where I'm progressing towards. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, I, I don't, I don't see too much utility in in progressing sets up to like i used to do it like five or six sets it's like mm-hmm. how high quality are those sets and it's like you know is you know is that worth I, it or could you be doing another movement instead of that and in, instead yeah. of in breaking that up um yeah. or it's like it's a question of like is this such a a shortened biased movement that it's like why don't you just use a length, more length and bias movement and use less sets, right? Because it's like mm-hmm. you could do you could do dumbbell laterals till like I bleed and my delts wouldn't be sore. But like I gotta be careful with like a behind the back lateral. Like if I do too many of those, like I start, you know, I I've done it where I've like started with I think two or three sets. I think two sets maybe I think I started with two sets and I had overlapping soreness on my shit like two days later. So yeah. 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 I just bring it up because I remember seeing Jared post about um, his comparison, Jared feather, right. He did his comparison of his physique and then discussed some of his training or maybe it was a different post, but he discussed something about, it was like seven sets of a movement. And I was just like, Oh God, like psychologically, I can't lock in for that anymore. I don't think even like, I see if I have to do a fourth I'm not happy about it <laughs> and normally yeah. what I'm doing is I'm starting to add more like rest pause myo reps cluster sets all that stuff I'll do mainly two sets for most of my stuff add a third towards the end of the mesocycle and then if I feel like I can handle more volume that's where I add the intensity techniques to add you know just even more to my my sessions because yeah I just I can't sit there and do four straight sets anymore. I don't know if, I mean, my time is tight, obviously, as well. That's a component of it. But just, yeah, half of it's up here, I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, I I can do it and I will do it. But I just, for me, it's like, what am I getting out of this? Like, why am I doing this many sets? Like, Mm -hmm. that's, that's what it came down to for me. So, yeah, most stuff I cap it. Like, most stuff ends up at like two or three. So, yeah. Yeah, that's the way I approach. And how many how many would you say like per body part you're doing in a session towards the end of your mesocycles? Like what's the max you're working up towards? Um like in terms of like a set per muscle group? Like yeah, like full full body part. Um we'll even say like let's go for the week and not for the session because I know you're doing multiple like frequencies for different stuff. Yeah, so like like for like say like adult like side delts or something uh, like how many how many direct sets like in a week let's let's give an example of a large muscle group like the chest back quad something like that and then a smaller muscle group because i know those those volumes can be dramatically different um so actually i'm i i disagree i i think i actually think that that large and small muscle groups tend to respond somewhat similarly but i think i think the the smaller muscle groups 
often aren't trained in super lengthened positions. So I guess I have a little bit of a controversial opinion. Okay. Um, okay. But um, yeah, I mean, it for me, it depends. Like my quads and stuff can't can handle. I'm trying to think how many sets I get up to. Um, I mean, it depends how you split it because it's like, um, like in my in like in my leg session A, like I'm leg pressing. Then I'm right now I'm leg pressing, squatting, and then um then doing a lengthened leg extension but it's like for me my leg extension is very hip dominant so it's like how many sets do i count that as for quads um versus my squatting patterns are extremely quad dominant um so yeah i mean i i guess it's 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 a little tricky for me to fully quantify but like i'd say somewhere in like the I mean, by the end of a mesocycle, somewhere in the eight to maybe 18 sets per, per muscle group, I yeah. would say, or per muscle, that's, I would say somewhere in that, be. in that range. Yeah. But like I said, it's, it's really, it's really hard because like, you know, certain movements are, are you know, maybe a little bit more of one muscle than the other. Um, mm-hmm. Or like I said, more, I alluded to earlier, like more shortened bias, like, a leg extension isn't going to thrash my quads. A, a, an upright leg extension, that is, is yeah. not going to thrash my quads like a squat is. So, um, yeah. yeah, I used to kind of really look at like how many, um, how many um, sets I was allocating towards a specific muscle within a within a given week. But for me, I just I, that data which just didn't really mean much. I just I just know where I can add. It's like okay my quads handled the session relatively well, I could probably add a, add a set of this, or like, maybe I can add a rest pause here, you know, like mm-hmm. that sort of thing. Um, yeah. It's more of a, it's more of a, uh, yeah, it, it doesn't get into the weeds of like, oh, I'm doing 10 sets, I need to get up to 12. Like, it's more like, right. okay, can my quads handle a little bit more, like, that yeah. sort of thing. And I would say that your programming mesocycle to mesocycle is probably so similar that those, yes, goalposts aren't moving that much right like yes i i actually have this conversation i think this is a good point too you know i my programming changes all the time just with my schedule i've done crazy different splits over the last couple months but i can almost guarantee that i'm probably from like 10 to 16 sets standard sets because i do some fun you know intensity stuff 10 to 16 sets for most of my muscle groups and I only know that because a couple months ago I was comparing it to Steve's, uh, Steve Hoss, because he posted his volume. And I was like, you know what? I wonder, like, I wonder where I stack up compared to some of these people because I feel like my volume yeah. is moderate, and it was significantly lower um, across a lot of different muscle groups. And I realized, like, oh, I'm only doing ten sets for my triceps and my delts and my biceps, and they've grown. My arms are the biggest they've ever been because I've changed enough of my other tactics where I don't have to use as much volume. But I can go from one mesocycle to the next, and the structure of my training is somewhat the same. So it's not like I'm going in one mesocycle, like 10 sets of quads to 25 sets of quads in the next one. That's just not going to happen. But I don't have to count them all to know that. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, I guess you've you've kind of fallen into a sort of a similar approach where you're not like, oh, I need to do 10 sets. It's more like, what, what do my quads need? And what what is appropriate? And then like, wherever the sets fall they fall you know you can mm-hmm. you can titrate that dose you know but it, yeah yeah and even like i'm sure you've noticed like if you make certain movement 
like substitutions, like you, which, you know, the exact number might vary, you know, in, in a different mm-hmm. mesocycle, I would imagine, right? Like one yeah. movement oh, might yeah. be a little bit more damaging for the glutes or something like that. And like, you just can't tolerate as many sets. So, um, yeah. yeah, don't, don't add another set just, just because like last mesocycle I added, you know, did four sets of this, this glute yeah. compound versus like, well, maybe three is appropriate here. Maybe three in a rest pause, maybe two, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm seeing a trend. You've taught, you've brought up the glutes as an example a lot. That must be a, <laughs> you're hammering them, huh? <laughs> that seems to be the one that gets the most attention on Instagram. I, I anytime I, I post that. glutes, it's just like, everyone's talking about glutes. So it's, it's on my mind. And it's also, it's like, for me, I see it as like one of those things. It's like a lot of guys just don't give a shit about glutes. And it's like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I see some I, a dude with a dinky pair of glutes. I'm like, you're just weak. <laughs> I know. I know part of mine is genetics, but I have never directly trained my glutes, like quite literally never. I've hopped on a hip thrust machine like once or twice or set up a barbell hip thrust once or twice, hated it every single time. But I'm also doing like, I'll do good mornings. I do a deep squat. I do like, I'm getting my glutes through other movements, but I've never went out to actually directly train my glutes. The just because and stuff I, like, is more potent anyways. Yeah. And I'm, you know, I've always done RDLs and good mornings and stuff like that, but I'm always focused on my hamstrings. Just because I yeah. know like my, my glutes are where they're at. My hamstrings are a weak point. I just think it's funny. Like so many people nowadays are like glutes, glutes, glutes. And it's, it's a muscle that I've never gone out to target, but I probably have like a, a relatively, you know, I've got good hypertrophy there is what I'll say. Yeah. Yeah, you do. I would agree with that. <laughs> the wife would concur. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. We'll reel it back in here a little bit. Where were we at? So we talked deloads. We talked volume. You know, I feel like that's the big picture. Like we could go nitty gritty on exercise selection all day. Yeah. But I feel like so much of that is preference too, right? Like, yes, we probably know we want to get into a lengthened position, but it probably shouldn't be all of our training. There's probably, you know, times and places to do some shortened training or mid-length, right? Um, you, do you want to talk too much on that? Or I feel like that's been beat up in, in the social media recently. It's been beat up, but I just think it's probably a good idea to bias at least either bias or at least make some effort to train every muscle in, in a length and range at some point during the week. Yeah. Yeah. I think valid, valid. Right. Um, are you doing any like specific shortened position training? Um, yeah, I am. Um, like, like my hip thrust is, is a pretty like Mm -hmm. mid to shorten movement. Um, I do, I do some, I, I, trialed it a while ago and i, I liked it i do a, a, some like shortened into lengthened supersets um mm-hmm. i do like those um i'd say most most muscle groups i'm training in a in a short you know at least you know into a shortened range um at some point i would say mm-hmm. so so yeah. yes I, I train through a full range but um mm-hmm. yeah yeah if that makes sense is that similar yeah, th- for you th- yeah, I mean, there's no movement that I'm not going to do just because, oh, you know, it's not in a lengthened position. Like, you know, if we're looking at bicep training, right? Like if you only looked at, oh, I need to get in a lengthened position, you're only going to be doing like low cable behind the back curls or incline curls. I love a preacher curl. I love, you know, just a regular barbell curl, right? They're not technically 
length and position, but yeah, it's something that I can easily load, track, and progress, and it feels good for me, right? Especially just a standard barbell curl. Just from being in a fully supinated grip and going through like the available range of motion that it allows, I get a crazy pump from that. I don't even have to get into a length and position to, to get that contraction. Yeah, and I mean, like, I, I it is something you have to be a little cautious about using like pump as your your pure metric, but. Yeah. Um, but it's not like you're confined to using one movement anyways. Like you don't have to pick one bicep curl and do that only. It's like you can do two, right? You can do one. That's that's how I set it up. I do one that's, that's like a, I, right now I have a standing easy bar curl and then a lengthened curl. It's like, and then on my other day, I actually have a, have a, 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 a shortened into lengthened superset too, but I have, you know, training at different ranges i'm using uh, on my one day the uh, actually on the the shortened length and i have a a preacher curl like a preacher mm-hmm. curl with a band like that's that's super short and focused um yeah. but yeah that's the kind of way i look at it yeah 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 so here's a this is only related because i know we have similar philosophies and we both like to make things hurt a little bit how much of yeah. that do you put in your training just because you enjoy it, right? I'm thinking of like my giant sets I do or the mechanical drop sets I do, the myo reps. How much of that is less even just like science evidence-based and more just because it feels good to challenge yourself in that way, right? Like you're the one that introduced me to the seated lateral raise into upright row. And that was fantastic for, I think I ran that yeah. for like three mesocycles. Um, a little less so. I, I like... I, I like my stuff to kind of make sense. Um, like mm-hmm. I like I said, I do a lot of like these shortened, uh, lengthened mo- the supersets that um, I think just makes sense um, to to sequence it that way. So I, I guess more of my stuff is is like that, um, mm-hmm. which are just painful as shit. I, I for me, it's like it, it matters more for me. Like, is this productive or not? Like, Mm -hmm. is this, is this getting a, the training outcome that I want out of it? Am I getting what, like for me, and this is, this is, I think where I differ from a lot of people, the way for me to enjoy something the most is like knowing that this is productive, like towards what I want to get out of it. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You're, you're very analytical in that way for sure. Yeah. (laughs) Like if something was just thrown it for me, like if something was just thrown in there, because it's fun, but like no super logical reason. I mean, the painful shit ha- can have logical reasons and most, a lot of it does, but like, I don't know, for me, I just wouldn't, I'd be like, why am I doing this? I could allocate my efforts towards something that's, you know, productive. And that's just kind of the yeah. way I, I see things. Like, I don't, like, I don't do yeah. like, I like every movement I do is like, you know, what is the intent of this? Right. And I mean, like there are certain things I enjoy and stuff like that, but um yeah, my primary driver of enjoyment is is as productive. <laughs> <laughs> You're selling yourself really well. <laughs> it's, it's uh, no, true. it's it's a valid point. It is a valid point, right? You don't want to like um, what's the saying? What am I looking for? Like, effort for the sake of effort is really not yeah. beneficial for bodybuilding, right? Like, I'm not doing burpees and kettlebell swings and yeah, you know, like that stuff where like hamstring curls on a Bosu ball. Like, yeah, that stuff, like it may be challenging, but it's really probably not hypertrophic. Um, I guess the ones that I'm thinking of are like some of those like crazy mechanical drop sets or supersets, which are founded in some sort of logic anyway. But yeah, I, uh, 
I, I feel like I tend to add something like that in just because I would get so bored if I just went in and did like 12 straight sets of my normal movements and then got out. Like, yeah, yeah. probably, probably got like a good stimulus, probably going to grow from that. But I feel like I need to find some sort of like real challenge, even though I'm, you know, if you watch my training, I'm not just floating through like every single one of my sets is challenging. Yeah. Like I'm grinding myself to dust, but I got to have something where it's like, this is going to hurt. And I'm excited <laughs> about it. <laughs> like, so we, we get cut off here, but uh, James is just laughing maniacally about enjoying pain and doing things yeah, yeah, that, yeah. that he's like, I enjoy pain. <laughs> yeah. Which actually you can see it's now a while ago, but do you remember the BFR belt squat video? That was one where like I had to watch was like, there's something wrong in my head because that hurt and that was not intentional. Like that wasn't for the camera. Like I started laughing mid set because how bad it was just like blowing my quad. It was, <laughs> it was that was having trained delts with you. I, I, I saw it when, whenever you went into the, the upright rows and I'm just like, he's enjoying this. This is, this is madness. I can go to a I can go to a dark place and just keep going. Yeah. If I need to, that's like my squats. Like, you know, I, I, I made that whole video on like tracking my RPE and my reps, because if I were to just put up a clip, like mid set, people are going to be like, that's, that's RIR like two. And here I go get like eight, nine more. Right. I, I don't know how about you, the... how you, a how you do that. I don't even know how you assess that though. I guess you do squat low bar, I... which is a little bit of a grindier, but still like, I don't know how you even assess that. I mean, I guess, I guess it's, it's kind of a skill you have and you kind of just know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've kind of like, yeah, I've, I've picked it up on like, and that took, that took a while, right? Because if I were to just start trying to use RIR RPE when I was, you know, back 2017, I yeah. did the same thing a lot of beginners do where it's like, oh, they said when it slows down, that's RPE seven, RIR three. Yeah. It's not the case for me. I can, that's yeah. like, that's like four five, you know, RPE for me. Do you have any movements that just die on you or no? Less so now. Um, my pressing still to some degree, like I'm much more cautious when I'm pressing. Um, and yeah. I, even from like a safety point of view, like I'm still pretty smart about that. I've got safety set up or I'll, if it's yeah. incline, I can just dump it on myself, but I'll know where like a squat, I could take five more on a press. It's going to be like two. Yeah. So yeah. That, that yeah. for sure. The back I'm pretty good with the legs. I'm pretty good with biceps, triceps. Like I can grind those. I can grind curls for forever. Just biceps. Like the squats. I was, oh, it can go from like looking like a zero. And I'm like, yeah, I have like four more. <laughs> yeah. 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 But yeah, mainly it's the pressing. Um, My pressing is, is the one probably that goes, gives the most, which you, you know, cause I've, I've seen you pin yourself a couple of times. Yeah. <laughs> it's gone from like, Oh, it's moving well. to like, I'm like guillotining myself. <laughs> Yeah. I've done that too many times. Yeah. And it's, it's normally, if you watch my videos, you'll see, we'll do the squat and the, like a dumbbell bench as a comparison. When yeah. you see me have to take that pause and like collect myself with a squat, I can do five, six, seven more, depending on what the load is and how I'm feeling. If I have to pause on like the dumbbell bench to kind of like regather myself, it's like two max, maybe one. Yeah. Do you have a high level, like I think of a squat is just very different than all the other movements. Do you have a high degree of confidence when you descend into those? Yeah. Yeah. There's not many where, you know, if I go for the rep, I'm going to, I'm going to get it 90% yeah. of the time. I can't tell you, I think in the last year I've failed one rep of squat. 
are like, you totally. pretty confident in, in bailing or oh yeah yeah oh if, if yeah. you look like those safeties for my height like i'm i'm a half an inch above the safeties when yeah. i'm squatting and when i even in a full pause like if i were to dump it it's not going anywhere and half the time i have to end up lowering the safeties if i'm really getting good range of motion that day because i'm i'm hitting off of them and they're low yeah yeah see i guess i have a little bit more of a fear of death <laughs> I'm like, I I talked myself into questionable reps, and it's like, oh boy, this is this. I I think this is gonna go up, but like, I don't know. And I've had to ditch a few, and I've had some ugly ditches. And well, with the squat, if you don't panic and you just allow yourself to go back down into the hole, like I'm comfortable in the hole. I can sit with a bar on my back, full, you know, knee flexion, hip flexion, ankle dorsiflexion, and be relatively comfortable. So if that's where I end up okay, now I just kind of allow my back to round a little bit and boom, now I'm on the safeties and I'm, I'm good, right? Yeah. I don't ever, even if I'm halfway up, I'm not going to panic and throw the bar, just calmly come back down, right? Gravity's going to help you. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe I need to develop that skill a little bit more. <laughs> you panic, I just, you hit the oh shit I just, button. <laughs> I just feel like uh, like 300 something pounds on my back and I'm like, oh Jesus, this, is, this, I, this needs to be, well, because I also have a tendency to like just fight it and get into like mm-hmm. bad positions too, which yeah. again has gone awry for me. If anyone yeah. knows yeah, that. Yeah, I don't allow that to happen with the squat. Uh, that's, yeah, that's one like I'll fight and grind, but my, I'm not going to compromise my form because I know what's going to come if if that happens for sure. Yeah, yeah. But that's, that's it's, 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 I mean, in general, a different animal, but I've always admired your ability to just like stay composed and like yeah look like yeah like if i fail this like whatever where i'm like uh like i don't fuck (laughs) i do not want to ditch this there's been a couple mainly like the incline barbell press where it's like oh i'm dead now this is not good like (laughs) like i have to get this rep or yeah i'm in trouble and and sometimes like that's why i get the rep because it's like you cannot let this come down you cannot let this this is you're in a garage by yourself your wife won't hear you like you're done if you don't get this rep (laughs) i think that's how i feel on my squat (laughs) (laughs) like even though i have the safeties there it's like if i don't do not want to have to ditch this though but if i do you know (laughs) Versus my presses, I, I have the safeties up, which is not fun because I have to like either like get it close to my neck, but like I'm I'm mm-hmm. a little less less panicky on my presses. Yeah. But I have I need safeties. to start I need to start doing my incline pressing in my squat rack so I can adjust yeah. the safeties because that other bench I have doesn't have any other safeties. So that's where I've gotten in trouble a couple of times. Yeah, yeah. That makes sense. I saw yeah. Bells of Steel actually makes a uh Maybe you could look into it. I just saw it today, a, a bench with a leg extension leg curl set up, like a like a movable bench. There's a local fabricator that makes a really, really good plate-loaded, like wide pad leg extension prone leg curl and also does some seal row benches. I want to talk to them at some yeah. point and create like a custom, like seal row, lying leg extension, seated leg extension, prone leg curl combo. And just have it custom made because man that'd be nice to have yeah that would be super nice oh yeah 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 but yeah, yeah i just i just thought about that because hey, you like that yeah that let that bench with the, the leg extension leg curl so it's just what i've had right if i came across like a good selectorized leg extension i'd probably sell that bench because i can do everything i need in a squat rack if i just adjust everything but 
I just don't want to spend the money. And I, that was one of the first purchases yeah. that I had actually, that's one of the last things that was in the first gym that I bought out yeah. uh, that I still have. Yeah. I was using the, um, the, like a gold, like a cheap gold's gym with like the, with the plate loaded until I finally found that, um, that leg extension leg curl, which I bought from my, uh, who I'm not friends with Brian, uh, down in, down in Virginia, my brother and I made the trip, but yeah. Mm -hmm. the, uh, if you can get a leg curl, uh, leg extension combo though, that, that would be, yeah. The... Well, yours is nice too, because it's the, it's the lying leg curl into a leg extension, right? Like a yeah. lot of them, you see the seated leg curl, leg extension combo. And I have a cable mm -hmm. seated leg curl. So if I can find one of yours, that'd be beautiful. Cause I would kind of like, I'd have machine version of both. Yeah. If I ever see it, I will, I will, uh, I will ping Definitely you, let but me know. those yeah. don't pop, unfortunately don't pop up too often just cause it's not like a commonly, like, it's not a really a commercial piece. It's more of like a home gym type piece because it's a dual unit. Um, mm -hmm. so there's just not that many out there, but, uh, yeah, fortunately I was able to find one. It took me like, it took me like a year and a half or so, like of like actively looking to, to finally locate one and I had to drive mm -hmm. whatever, five hours for it, four hours for it. Yeah. But, worth it anyways yeah <laughs> now we're talking home gyms <laughs> very worth it but is there anything else before before we wrap up here that uh you've done changed in the last last five oh. years in terms of methodology any big hit items that we didn't cover didn't talk about i feel like everything right like my training has changed dramatically and i'll i'll, I'll here's the spark notes version when i first started out it was all I was super bro, super minimalist. All I need is dumbbells and barbells and everything's going to be barbell row, dumbbell row, you know, barbell bench, dumbbell bench, squat, deadlift. That's it, right? Yeah. I don't need cables. I don't need machines. Obviously started using more of those because I needed more volume, wanted a few different exercises and like the stretch and all that fun stuff. Um, and then, but I was still always very reliant on the idea of like getting strong in the big three translating into being a better bodybuilder up until you know 2018 2019 i was still chasing like heavy doubles triples and this last off season yeah. is where i finally was like i need to train like a bodybuilder if i want to be the best bodybuilder i can be i'm not a strong person right so why am i spending so much time trying to optimize my strength when i could just be being smarter about how i spend my energy really is the way that i would word it right and now you're seeing yeah. like I used to, you know, my squat was like 380, 405. Now I did like 245 today for squats, but my technique has changed so dramatically where I'm still getting a great stimulus with dramatically less load. Same with deep, my leg press. Deep and with right? a pause. Yeah, I've been noticing yeah. that. Deep with a pause and the pause is in the lengthened, not really stopping at the top, right? Because that's a that's a tricky way that people can like progress, but not really progress, right? If you're taking longer and longer pauses, when you're standing up specifically for a squat or like a leg press hack squat, you know, when you're not under load, you can get three, four five more reps, but it's not really a standard progression in my mind, right? I'm trying to standardize yeah. as much as possible. And if I end up taking more time in the hole, that's just more time in a lengthened position. So that's where, you know, that's something that's changed for sure. Just squat like a bodybuilder, you know, bench like a bodybuilder, pause, hit full depth, power up but not like not a crazy arch not a crazy wide grip you know trying to trying to just control my eccentrics and be a bodybuilder really 
yeah, that's uh, it's all very. I pretty much have done very similarly myself, and in the uh, in the last five years, yeah, mm-hmm. for yeah. sure. Yeah. All right, what? Well, how low are your reps getting? Uh, I don't think I've taken anything. Well, besides like my cluster sets, right? Like I'll do like doubles and triples on yeah. that. But that's but, fatigue. So yeah, right. My straight sets, I'm not really letting anything go below six right now, and okay. mostly. Like if I hit six, that tells me I need to drop load probably. Cause I don't even want to be like, if it were, I were to say a six to 10 rep range, I don't even really want to be at the six. I'm trying to spend a lot more time and probably more of like an eight to 12 rep range right now. Okay. So you, you don't, you don't do any, you dabble any in like the fours or fives then? Like six Not as much right anymore. I, I was doing okay. a lot of that prior and I just, I don't get as good of a stimulus with it. I really don't, uh, regardless of the movement, like I'm trying to think if there's even been anything recently. Like I could probably with a leg press because I just get a really good connection to the leg press I have. I could probably do some like fours and fives on that, which sounds crazy and still get a good stimulus for my quads because I can control it so well and I can get so deep, but I just, I'm not doing it right now. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah, that, that's like, a movement yeah. I, I couldn't do. I do actually do do some movements in like the, usually my bottom end is five but if it if it drops down to four i'm okay with it once in a while um but Mm -hmm. leg press is not a movement i would do i prefer leg presses a little higher actually Mm -hmm. yeah i say that but then again like i just did a 20 rep set it was what were my sets today yeah 20 20 15 12 and then i did like sets of four under fatigue like for my cluster sets until i just physically couldn't do another set of four (laughs) yeah that's interesting. Yeah. I mean, or uh, that's an important point. Like even if you're, you're comfortable going down to five, that doesn't mean you need to necessarily always do there. Um, mm-hmm. You can go up, you know, to 20 or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. Are there any movements that you won't take up to 20 or well, pretty much anything? Yeah, I would say like, so I'm doing those block pulls, like the stiff leg deadlift yeah. variation. Um, that I'm very cautious about. I don't want to go yeah. overly fatigued on that. So I'm not hitting doubles and triples of that, but I'm also not going, Yeah, you know, with that, that one, it's like six, seven, eight. And if I get out okay. of that, then I'm like, let's change yeah. something. That's an important point. I guess my yeah. question was more so like outside of like movements that require like a high degree of bracing or, or breathing ability. Are there any movements that are... Uh, you're no, just you don't, don't go take high. just won't i i have some myself typically but um i feel like again on my pressing like i did a high rep incline barbell set recently but like for a lot of my flat pressing i feel like i'm just going to get so fatigued just systemically if i do high rep pressing maybe because I'm weak, maybe because, you know, I start to lose the control because they don't have that great connection with it. So I stay moderate with that a little bit more, but I wouldn't say never, right? Like there might be a time where I just want to empty the tank and, and, or just program some higher rep pressing. Um, but no, it just doesn't tend to happen too much. I still kind of fall back to that eight to 12 or eight to 15 rep range for a lot of movements. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Pressing is actually something I, I don't tend to get over 15 very often. Um, but some of my other chest work will, um, yeah, so that's interesting you point out. You find your, um, did you ever find, I find this really strongly with like back movements. Do you ever find like, 
it's almost like the the joints get tired before the the musculature. I think I know what you're saying, and yes, so like machine. That's the best presses. way I can describe it. Yeah, yeah, I know what you're trying to say. Um, there was a period of time where I was doing probably like two pressing movements and then going to a machine fly when I was using a commercial gym and I was programmed like 12. I did a larger rep range. It was like 12 to 20. And I just could not get more than 15 reps on a machine fly because I was just so fatigued and I could increase weight and I just, you know, I could increase weight, decrease weight. didn't matter. I just got so fatigued in the muscle just from that amount of stretch and range of motion. I just, it didn't make sense really. So I actually increase load and decrease the rep range. And then I could actually burn myself out, you know, you know, trying to hit the top end of the rep range. So it was almost like this rep range isn't working for this movement and let's just decrease it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Odd. Right. And those are the things you find like when you're consistent and like really know your body where I just know if I try and do really high rep stuff on chest, I'm going to burn out, but still it's kind of like I'm fatigued, but I'm not fatigued. Right. Like I could stop yeah. that set and then come right back and hit another set, but I won't be able to get more than some, you know, that threshold for some reason. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I, I think I get a little bit of a different effect, but uh, yeah, like for me, I noticed like in my back training, um, like, let's just say like, if, if I'm doing like a, a vertical pull, especially a vertical pull or like a high lat row um, doing sets over like, 15 or reps over 15 is just just tends to just just be dog shit um drop sets like completely useless like completely useless <laughs> like i i okay. literally do do a drop i've done it and I, I i i do like rest pauses i like rest pauses um but that's my preferred intensity technique but i've done like a drop set of a lat movement and it's like i don't even feel this in my lat like my shoulder like my shoulder joint is just tired and it's like, I feel like I'm not doing anything. Like, I feel like I'm just moving. Um, mm -hmm. I don't have that really with anything else other than, or, or at least to that degree, um, mm -hmm. as I do with, with like my back, especially my, like my lats and my like vertical pullers. But okay. that's one thing, like I literally have done drop sets and I'm like, why am I doing this? This is, this is literally doing nothing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I could see that on a vertical because I mean you can get a crazy, crazy metabolite buildup at that like proximal, you know, the teres and the posterior delt and where the lat inserts. Like I've I've had to stop like straight arm pull downs because yeah, it's just like it feels like nothing's working anymore and you stop and then you get that like after effect of like the crazy burn. You know what I'm talking see, about? Yeah, I don't even get that. Like, okay. See, I like I'll do I'll do a set of like if I do say I did like a set of twelve or to set of twelve and then cut the load in half. Like the set of twelve felt like pretty decent, um, even if it's a short and biased movement. Like, but the the drop set, it's like I don't even feel like I'm working my lat. Like I feel like I feel like my shoulder is just tired. Okay. Like the joint That's itself from, from just moving. I don't experience that really with anything else. But it's like, I don't know if it like, it doesn't accumulate a whole lot of metabolites. I don't know if it's just like, so um, what's it called? Uh, fast twitch dominant that um, mm -hmm. could be, but it's just like, like, I, I mean, other things, like if I do a, like a leg extension, like, yeah, my quads are freaking on fire. Like I can feel mm -hmm. every single rep, like biceps, whatever. But mm -hmm. that's just one thing that I'm just like, yeah, this is. 
Yeah. Well, let's just put it out there. Shoulders are tricky anyway, right? Like from a rehab perspective, people ask like, oh, why does my shoulder hurt? That's a whole can of worms that I like yeah. hate opening with most people because there's just- Well, I'm not so, even saying they so, hurt either. Right. I'm but like, yeah, if you're talking hurt. about like, why why don't I feel it? Why do I get fatigued? Like, any, man, there's just so much going on at the shoulder and people think they have yeah. all the biomechanics figured out, but it's like, no, because yeah. it's not just the shoulder. It's the shoulder and the scapula and they work together and they have to work together to get everything done. And then it's also the scapula on the rib cage. So it's the scapula on the rib cage on the shoulder all working together. It's not simple. <laughs> it's not as simple yeah. as my arm comes down and I activate one muscle and we're good to go. Yeah, which actually yeah. it's interesting that you you make that point about like the uh, how all three of those things are intertwined because like in my chest training recently, I found that like doing like a high high to like slight high to low um, chest fly where I'm able to open up my rib cage has made a huge difference, like huge difference lately. Okay. I mean, it's kind of a tangential topic, but, um, yeah, that ability to open up, like open it up at the bottom, at that bottom stretch position has just been mm -hmm. like a game changer yeah. for me. Like I yeah, legitimately yeah, yeah. feel like it's going to be extremely impactful, which I yeah. haven't, haven't really experienced that for a while with training where I'm like, wow, this is actually, but yeah, well, that's, that's how I felt when I started doing like the really deep stretch, like cable press and those those like the flies that i'm doing right now like i feel like my arms are like back behind like pointing the other direction i can get just such a crazy stretch around the rib cage now yeah um, yeah you, it looks because, like you're opening up a good bit on yeah. those yeah and it's because my shoulders are finally healthy right if i tried doing that a couple of years ago i had so many shoulder issues for so long there was no chance i would have done that i would have just blown up um, but yeah, I've been knock on wood, pretty healthy for the last off season. And it's, it's showing That's in my good. training because I can actually do some fun stuff and, and challenge myself in different ways. So do you think it has a lot to do with the fact that you change your training and it's more intentional and, and, and mm -hmm. all those sorts of things? Cause I've been asked like, um, how, like, like by some people, like, how do you feel? Do you feel hurt all the time? It's like, not really, like yeah. I really don't. Yeah, I feel like when you start to control the load, control the eccentric, expose your joints and the tissues and tendons and you know supportive structures to lengthen positions under load for longer periods of time, your body's just more resilient rather than relying on momentum and like potential energy, like and like springing out of movements. Yeah. Right. Like there's no control there, so there's higher chance of of failure, really. So, sorry. I got, I've got an angry baby. Uh-oh, uh-oh. I think we're probably, we're probably running low on time anyways. So we've been rambling yeah. for like, yes, like yes. over an hour. So if you're still with us here and, you know, just, just our, uh, you know, ran, random rambling at this point, then we appreciate yeah. you. But. Dan and I could do this all night, but I know you guys won't listen all night. We may cut this into two episodes. Who knows? Uh, but yeah, so so yeah, if you guys made it through all this, we appreciate your time. We appreciate you listening. Hopefully you can take some insight from our own kind of reflection of ourselves. I know I learned something the more I talk to other people, right? I've yeah. learned something probably tonight from Dan. Um, so yeah. Let us know in the comments. Let us know through Instagram DMs if this is something you enjoyed and you want it to make it like a regular thing. And regardless, like, follow, subscribe, share, all the fun stuff just to help us grow our page and to grow the sport as a whole. And we appreciate you guys. We'll see you in the next one.